This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Searching with Seneca. Today we're moving on in letter number 29 to verses 4 through to 8. And uh, you'll remember from the previous episode that we were discussing Seneca's thoughts on how to be a careful uh, teacher of wisdom, meaning uh, being somebody who pays attention to the art of teaching. The art of teaching is to seed words carefully and to make sure that you're hitting the target in your instruction, but also choosing the student carefully and making sure that the student you're dedicating your time and energy to is actually going to be receptive to the extremely valuable information that you're going to impart upon them, right? Uh, And so that's very important to Seneca, is making sure that you're uh, discerning about the student and also about the way that you're teaching. Uh, And then he actually is going to go on in these verses to say, well, look, nonetheless, even though uh, with this student of mine, Marcellinus, right, uh, he's pretty annoying and he doesn't really listen and he's afraid of the truth, even though that's the case, I'm still going to have hope in him and I'm going to keep on going with my instruction. And then he's going to go on to uh, basically talk about all the techniques that he expects this student of his will use in order to get out of hearing the truth or in order to get out of actually having to change, right? And when I read these verses, I thought, man, this is a lesson in human nature. It hasn't changed in all of this time. We still use the same tricks to get out of or to use as excuses for personal transformation or lack of, right? Uh, And so I think this is a really interesting set of verses here where we really get an insight into, uh, you know, the psychology of the student who doesn't want to change. Because what I want you to do when I read these verses is to have a think about, you know, have I ever used these techniques to kind of uh, uh, cover up the fact that perhaps I'm not where I should be or that I'm not putting in the effort that I should put in or that I haven't changed in the ways I should have changed uh, when receiving this information. So have a think about that. And I hope that it's uh, enlightening to you because I certainly Uh, see a lot of these techniques within myself. Anyway, I'm going to start reading and then we'll kind of pick it apart and see what we can take away from it. So he says, quote, As to our friend Marcellinus, I have not yet lost hope. He can still be saved, but the helping hand must be offered soon. There is a danger that he may pull his helper down, for there is in him a native character of great vigour, though it is already inclining to wickedness. Nevertheless, I shall brave this danger and be bold enough to show him his faults. He will act in his usual way. He will have recourse to his wit, the wit that can call forth smiles even from mourners. He will turn the jest, first against himself and then against me. He will forestall every word which I am about to utter. He will quiz our philosophic systems. He will accuse philosophers of accepting dolls, keeping mistresses, and indulging their appetites. He will point out to me one philosopher who has been caught in adultery, another who haunts the cafes, and another who appears at court. He will bring to my notice Aristo, the philosopher of Marcus Lepidus, 
who used to hold discussions in his carriage, for that was the time which he had taken for editing his researches, so that Scorus said of him when asked to what school he belonged, at any rate, he isn't one of the walking philosophers. Julius Grassinus, too, a man of distinction, when asked for an opinion on the same point, replied, I cannot tell you, for I don't know what he does when dismounted. As if the query related to a chariot gladiator. It is Montebanks of that sort, for whom it would be more creditable to have left philosophy alone than to traffic in her, whom Marcellinus will throw in my teeth. But I have decided to put up with taunts, He may stir my laughter, but I perchance shall stir him to tears. Or if he persists in his jokes, I shall rejoice, so to speak, in the midst of sorrow, because he is blessed with such a merry sort of lunacy. But that kind of merriment does not last long. Observe such men, and you will note that within a short space of time, they laugh to excess and rage to excess. It is my plan to approach him and to show him how much greater was his worth when many thought it less. Even though I shall not root out his faults, I shall put a check upon them. They will not cease, but they will stop for a time, and perhaps they will even cease if they get the habit of stopping. This is a thing not to be despised, since to men who are seriously stricken, the blessing of relief is a substitute for health. End quote. So there's just so much to get through in these few verses, but I'm going to focus on the big picture ideas that are kind of flowing through. Uh, you know, firstly, just this idea that Seneca has hope for this student. You know, he, he's been careful in his discernment, and what he has recognized within this student is that perhaps they are not ready to be perfectly healed of the illness of their soul, as he has put it before. Uh, But perhaps if he can just struggle with this student for a little bit longer, maybe he's at least going to give him some relief. And I, I love this idea that he gives here, where he kind of says, it's my plan to approach him and to show him how much greater was his worth when many thought it less. You know, you can really get a sense for who Seneca is as a teacher. We already get that from his writings because he's instructing us, but he has hope for the sinner, you might say, hope for the person who is downtrodden and, and perhaps uh, hasn't yet been able to find that, that safe harbor, as he's put it before, or that, uh, that cure for the soul. But he has hope for people and he really wants to struggle through and help this person to see their worth and to maybe find some respite from the storms of their soul, you might say. And so I love that about Seneca, his hope that people can be reformed. And how about these ideas that he's giving us about the human nature of the the bad student, right? All of these excuses that a student will use. In particular, uh, this habit that many students, including myself in the past, have used uh, to get out of, you know, uh, or to use as an excuse for their own lack of success in embodying the principles they're learning, right? Which is to point out that other people are hypocrites or that teachers are hypocrites. Or, you know, you hear it all the time with Seneca's writings. It's, it's, it's like, you know, yeah, he was definitely a hypocrite. Well, what does that actually mean about the lessons he's trying to teach us? Really? What does it mean about the wisdom that he's sharing with it? Does, does it really uh, contribute to our ability to understand uh, the wisdom that is within his writings? 
And I would actually say that a knowledge of Seneca's kind of own hypocrisy, uh, or I'd probably prefer it to uh, to to put it as his own struggle with, uh, you know, struggling uphill towards what is better, right? Uh, what this can teach us is that the way is hard. It's difficult. You know, it's really difficult to make progress. And Seneca was trying to make progress uh, right up till the very end, right? And we see that in his writings. But the point he's trying to make here is that, you know, the student who has, uh, who, who, has an inability to really listen to the truth and to take it on board and to uh, embody these principles and to actually be receptive to the wisdom that's being shared with them, you know, might start using excuses like, well, look at that philosopher, they're not perfect and this person's not perfect. But really, those kinds of excuses are just, you know, another way to get out of, you know, struggling uphill towards what is better yourself. And so Seneca is seeing the nature of the bad student and saying, yeah, this is likely what we're going to see, as well as some other things. For example, he talks about how uh, Marcellinus is, is likely going to recourse to his wit. He's going to joke about, you know, the whole process. And he's going to start by joking about himself and then move on to Seneca, uh, which, you know, we can all see this as well. Uh, humor is certainly a way that we, uh, that we uh, how would you say, navigate around uh, our failings or navigate around our faults. And, you know, it's probably quite healthy sometimes because we're not perfect. Uh, you guys know that I say it all the time on this show that we need to remember that self-kindness as well and just remember that, uh, you know, perfection is not possible. But nonetheless, when you start to use humor too much as an excuse for your failings, uh, then you can start to see that there's a pattern happening. And uh, it might be the same pattern that Seneca calls in here. He says, it's a, it's a merry kind of lunacy, which I think that is absolutely a wonderful way of putting it. And I guess the final thing that I want to say about these few verses is uh, Seneca's, uh, what I think is an astute observation, uh, where he says, Observe such men, talking about these people who uh, laugh to excess during, uh, you know, being instructed. Observe such men, and you will note that within a short space of time, they laugh to excess and rage to excess. And so this, as I see it, is is more of a critique of, you know, a, a lack of temperance, right? A lack of moderation, all right? And so when you're instructing a student who, uh, you know, will recourse to their wit way too often or laugh way too much about their faults, you know, perhaps this is a sign of excess as well. And so it's kind of like he's saying that classic line that we often hear, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm watching you. And if I see you laughing way too much about your faults, then uh, I, I'm going to start to wonder, you know, whether you're the sort of person who is just completely infected by a lack of moderation, uh, including some things which are not as uh, permissible, uh, especially to the Stoics, as laughter, something like rage, anger. You know, uh, you can start to expect that if somebody is, uh, you know, excessive in one area, they may very well be excessive in others as well. So, with that said, what I love about these few verses is Seneca's hope for the sinner, hope for the student who is struggling, you know, his willingness to struggle along with the student, and also his just his very wise uh, uh, appraisal of, you know, these kind of archetypes of human behavior, uh, especially in relation to the student who is not necessarily being fully receptive to the wisdom offered. So anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I hope you've learned something about yourself 
in this episode, and I hope you've been reflecting on what I've been sharing, uh, and I hope that you are receptive to the lessons that Seneca is sharing with us. So enjoy, and I'll talk to you next time.